Locked On Podcast Network and Odyssey present Locked On Sports Today. A full-scale Boston Celtics squad looks like an NBA Finals team. How important is the absence of Rich Strike at the Preakness? And if Jimbo Fisher knows where Nick Saban buried the bodies, why didn't he tell us? I'm Peter Bukowski, starting your day with the stories you need to know and biggest debates in sports. You're locked on today. Searching all major sports. Found. Let's start with the biggest story. The Miami Heat and the Boston Celtics apparently cannot play a close game. After the Heat pulled away from the Celtics in game one, it was the Celtics who returned the favor in game two beating down the Miami Heat in Miami, 127-102. Joining me now from Locked On Celtics, John Corrales. And John, this was a game where the two teams in the second half actually scored the exact same number of points, <laughs> each scoring 26 and 31 in the third and fourth quarters. But it was Boston who came out like a house of fire in game two. What allowed them to make this switch from game one to game two? Uh, a couple of things. First of all, making every three-pointer in the world helps. Yeah. <laughs> um, when shots go in, this is my expert analysis, it's better than when shots don't. Hmm. Uh, let you chew on that one for a second. The uh, the Celtics, and it was the, the best part here is that the Celtics were down uh, 10 points in the first quarter, which will be forgotten, I think, for, for you know, after this, you know, 25-point win. But they were down 18-8, and then Jason Tatum gets two fouls, and, and you think, uh-oh, here we go. Uh, you know, maybe Miami is is really um, trying to prove something here. And and once again, this has happened a couple of times now for the Celtics. Tatum goes out with foul trouble, and it seems like a danger zone. And the Celtics end up responding. They close the first quarter with six straight three-pointers. Uh, and they turn a 10-point deficit into a, an 11-point lead. And then they just go from there. The second quarter was all defense. And it was really getting smart back getting Horford back and getting Robert Williams back this is the first time I think all playoffs where those all three guys have been fully healthy fully ready to go and we saw the full magnitude of that Celtics defense that was tops in the league in the regular season Marcus Smart comes back for this game and puts up a 24 12 and 9 he was and plus minus can be a misleading stat in a one game sample but he was a plus 31 in this game and it felt like that but he was also eight of 22. He led the Celtics in shot attempts. If you were the heat and you knew that before the game, you you'd probably be okay with it, right? How sustainable is a performance like this for the Celtics with Marcus smart carrying the kind of offensive load that he did. I think what's sustainable is the fact that the Celtics have been able to find a guy outside of Tatum and Brown to come up with a performance like this. So is it going to be Marcus Smart again? It might be, but it's been Grant Williams. It's been Al Horford. Uh, it's been Robert Williams uh, in the past prior to the playoffs. So I think what's sustainable there is Boston kind of figuring out who's got it going, what's working, and going to that. Because Smart has had playoff games where he's shot six times, and he's been fine with that. So I, I will say that Smart had it uh, – was, was firing – a little too much early on, but <laughs> he settled into the game and he, he just, once he started to feel it, he got more comfortable and played just a tremendous game, which is controlling the game. The 12 assists were huge. And the one turnover was the big, the big thing. The Celtics only had nine turnovers where turnovers were a huge problem in, in game one. They, they ended up winning the turnover points off turnover battle by 11. 
and and that's a, that's a big key to this win. But if it's going to be somebody in Game Three, it could be Smart, it could be anybody. As long as the Celtics do what they're supposed to, to move the ball, work the offense, and whoever starts to get it going, kind of kind of roll with that person. I think they'll be okay. Thanks for making Locked On Sports today your first listen. Coming up, just how big a deal is it? that the Kentucky Derby winner, Rich Strike, will not be in the field at the Preakness. Now on to Sleeper. Sleeper is the fastest growing fantasy platform today with millions of players. And now you could win on Sleeper by playing their new over-under game. It's super simple. First, in any sport, choose two or more players that you like and pick the over or the under. For example, number of points in basketball or hits in baseball Then choose the amount of money you want to enter into the contest. If you pick correctly, you can win anywhere from two times to over 20 times the money you put in. Download Sleeper now to play their new over-under game on your mobile phone. Join our Locked On Sports Today group at sleeper.com slash locked on today. And Sleeper will automatically match your first deposit up to $100. Again, go to sleeper.com slash locked on today and you'll get a $100 match on your first deposit. Why wouldn't you want easy money like that? Terms and conditions apply. See Sleeper's terms of use for details. Now, here's what you need to be locked on today. The Tampa Bay Lightning snatched game two out from under the Florida Panthers with just four seconds left on the clock. What an incredible finish in game two as the Lightning take a 2-0 lead in this series over the Florida Panthers. The big story of this game is Ross Colton scoring a game-winning goal. Nothing new to him. Four seconds left in this one to steal game two. Great performances all around from Andre Vasilevsky and also a great pass at the end of the game from Nikita Kucherov. A goal coming in the first period from Corey Perry. A great physical game all around from both teams. Almost 90 hits total between the two. The Lightning head back to Amelie Arena Saturday where they could take a 3-0 lead. And if you're the Panthers, I guess you're hoping Lightning doesn't strike twice in the same place. Can we do that? The Boston Red Sox saw another amazing individual performance on Thursday as Trevor Story just kept hitting baseballs into the stands against the Seattle Mariners. It's story time in Boston as Trevor Story went off for the Red Sox on Thursday night, going four for four with three, yes, three home runs in the Red Sox dominant win over the Mariners at Fenway Park. Hey, it's Lauren from Locked On Red Sox. And what more can we say? Trevor's story was the highlight and the storyline of this game. It was an incredible win for the Red Sox, one that they needed to start this series strong. And now they have a chance to make it three straight wins after a really strong night from the offense, particularly Trevor's story. I really want to make some sort of great story pun, and that, that will be one of the headlines in Boston today I'm sure but I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to save you. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to go there with the puns. One pun per block is my limit. And the New York Yankees couldn't complete the four-game sweep over the Baltimore Orioles because of a walk-off three-run homer. The losing streak. It's over. It is over. Orioles beat the Yankees Nine to six on a walk-off home run from Anthony Santander, a three-run blast in the ninth inning off of Lucas Letke to win it nine-six. 
Connor Newcomb here, host of Locked On Orioles. What a win for the O's. They were one out away in the top of the ninth, but DJ LeMayhew dumped in a little RBI single off of Jorge Lopez to tie the game, get it to the bottom half, but the Orioles rallied. Hayes and Mancini get on, and Santander blasts one over that. Build a park, create a wall wall out there in left field. So, uh, hey, Aaron Judge, I guess it's not that difficult to hit a home run over the new wall at Camden Yards. But the Orioles snapped the losing streak, the first walk-off homer since 2019 for the O's. Time to celebrate in Baltimore. Hopefully, there's another celebration coming up soon as well for the Orioles. Here is another story you need to know. This year's Preakness will have a different feel because the Kentucky Derby winner will not be in it. Rich Strike, who, as Mike Tirico said on the call, more like lightning strike, the longest odds in the field, the surprise winner. And now we're left to figure out, okay, who's left? Joining me now, longtime horse racing writer, Dick Girardi. And Dick, how does the Kentucky Derby winner not being in this field affect the way that you think about this race? Well, a couple of things. One, I'll be honest with you, I wanted to bet against Rich Strike again. So I'm a little disappointed <laughs> he's not in the race. But having said that, more than anything for the sport, you need the Kentucky Derby winner in the Preakness. Look, I respect what the owner and trainer said. They said, look, we just didn't think the horse is going to be ready to run in two weeks. Couldn't duplicate that performance in Kentucky. I get all that. And it might be good for the horse in the long run, but it's not good for the sport. You really want to see the Kentucky Derby winner in the Preakness. And Rich Strike, who I missed completely uh, in the Derby, will be missed in the Preakness on Saturday. And I know NBC will miss him. It's such a cool story, right? An 80 to one shot. The owner, trainer, jockey, nobody's ever heard of. And all of a sudden they come out of nowhere and win the Derby. So we, we look at the race right now. Uh, Epicenter is, is the heavy favorite uh, in this race. How do you, how do you look at what happened at the Derby in terms of Epicenter's performance as we try and project forward here? Yeah, I thought his performance was precisely what I thought it would be. Uh, He ran exactly how I had anticipated. He ran great. And he looked like the winner the whole way until he wasn't. So <laughs> I, I think anybody who bet on Epicenter had to feel more snake bit than anything else. You couldn't feel like you were wrong uh, because he ran a race that will normally win the Kentucky Derby. What you couldn't account for was a horse who's won run race in his career, flying up at the end, running a final quarter mile in barely over 24 seconds and catching him in the last 50 yards. That's, there's just no rational way you could have done that. So I think if you liked Epicenter in Kentucky, there's no reason not to like him in Baltimore. The only difference is you're getting four to one there, and he's even money at the moment on the betonline.ag website, you know, where you can lock in the price. If you think he's going to go lower on Saturday, you could lock in even money right now on Epicenter. So when we when we did this for the Derby, you gave us Crown Pride, who was in that race yep. until uh, right about there. the last quarter mile. Uh, yep. So if, if there is a, a longer shot bet that you like yep. in this race, what's the horse? Yeah, it's Creative Minister, the two. In fact, that's going to be my big exact, though, on Saturday, 8-2, uh, epicenter over Creative Minister. Now, Creative Minister ran on Derby Day, did not run in the Derby, ran in the, uh, an allowance race earlier in the card, but I just thought was visually impressive, ran fast. Now, this will only be his fourth lifetime start, and the owners and, and trainer Kenny McPeak, who is, I believe, a 10% owner, 
are taking a big shot at this, A, from running in a non-stakes race into the Preakness, and maybe more importantly, this horse was not nominated to the Triple Crown, so they had to pay 150000 to supplement them into the Preakness. So they got to finish in the top three just to get their money back. So they're taking a big gamble. I like the fact that they have confidence in the horse. I do. So I like, I think creative minister who's 12 to one right now on bet online, I think is your live long shot in the previous. Coming up, Jimbo Fisher took issue with Nick Saban saying he cheated in recruiting for Texas A&M. His response though, raises more questions than it answers. Imagine dipping your finger into that plastic tub of birthday cake frosting and then opening your eyes and realizing That was only 150 calories and 16 grams of protein. That's what it's like to eat a birthday cake puff from Built. I had one today. I was hungry in the afternoon. My lunch was not satisfying. I had worked out that day. I wanted to fuel my body. So I reached for a birthday cake puff. They are unbelievable. I was struck as I was eating it going, you know, this tastes really good. And that is in itself an achievement for a protein bar to get to but then I was like god this is just really easy to eat a lot of health food in general but especially protein bars are a chore these are covered in 100% chocolate and they are easy to eat while still giving you all the health benefits that you want with collagen protein that is easy to absorb it's high protein high fiber low net carb low in sugar go to built.com and use promo code locked 15 to get 15% off your order that's promo code locked 15 for 15% off at built.com Jimbo Fisher really doesn't like Nick Saban right now he's probably not the only one Saban appeared to accuse Texas A&M of cheating in recruiting when he said the Aggies bought every player in their 2022 recruiting class Fisher responded by defending his program and then accusing Saban of misconduct for his entire career. Locked on Bama's Luke Robinson joined Locked on SEC's Chris Gordy and Locked on Aggie's Joey Ickes to discuss his feelings on Fisher's response. First of all, I respect Jimbo Fisher's passion for his team and, and defense of it. I do. I think that's, um, I, I think he did miss a golden opportunity to take a bit of the higher road here. Um, it, it may play in his favor. I don't know. Maybe some recruits and players will dig the fact that uh, he quote unquote stood up for him. I think it's kind of weird that a guy would say, hey, just ask anybody who's ever coached for him where the bodies are buried, quote unquote. Yeah, you coached for him. <laughs> so what the heck were you doing? And if it's and if you're so morally righteous, why didn't you turn him in? Or why didn't you quit on the spot when you learned something, allegedly? So yeah, Jimbo Fisher, look, every time I, I want to start to like him, I, I kind of don't. Um, and I understand a lot of people don't not like Nick Saban either. I totally get that. If you didn't like Nick Saban before today, uh, you really hate him now. Uh, and um, the, the thing is, though, again, I go back to I think he was right. I think Jimbo had a right to be a little upset. I think Saban went over the line. I, I have no problem saying that. Um, at the same time, I thought Jimbo took it to the next level. He, he, Saban never used the word, you know, or never used the words Texas A&M cheated. He, he was kind of saying, look, I don't understand how they can do this and we can't do that, or, or we do this and, and how it's so uh, different. And, and that's what he was trying to say. And uh, Jimbo went up there. I mean, he was literally shaking the entire press conference. He was so mad. And I feel like, you know, get yourself together a little bit more, calm down a little bit, 
And and if you want to address something, that's fine. But then he threw out some pretty serious allegations, if you ask me. And if you're going to do that, why no reporter there had the cojones to say, oh, you're saying you know where some bodies are buried. Where are those bodies buried? Because I, I feel like that would have been the, the easy follow-up question. The thing that resonates with me about Jimbo Fisher's response is not about what Nick Saban did or didn't do. I think if you're a college football watcher, if you're someone even like me who loves college football, you understand that this has been a dirty business for a long time. Emphasis on business because that is ultimately what it is. These coaches are making millions and now, thankfully, the players are able to benefit as well. The thing that resonates with me though is not the you-know-what measuring contest that is going on between two national championship winning coaches. It is Jimbo Fisher saying to Nick Saban, don't bring my players into this. Don't bring their families into this because what you are doing when you do that is accusing 18, 19, 20-year-old kids and their families of something dishonest, of something unethical, of something potentially against the rules, potentially illegal, depending on the state and the circumstances. That is gross. And Nick Saban is doing it for a chip on his player's shoulders or because he doesn't like Jimbo Fisher or because he wants Alabama to seem somehow above reproach which of course is Jimbo Fisher's point, basically LOL Nick Saban. It is unfair for Nick Saban unless he is, as he claims, truly beyond reproach. And we know, given some of the ways that he's handled situations in the past of just his coaching, that he has not always been the most forthright and honest person when it comes to his current or future situations. For him to bring in the players and their families and the decisions that were made, these are kids. That part of it struck me as gross, as unnecessary, as uncalled for. If you want to compete with Jimbo Fisher, you guys are professionals, you are veterans, you are multimillionaires many times over because of a profession that you have excelled in. You don't need to drag in the specific, like we know who he's talking about. We know the names of the players he's talking about. To impugn their integrity without evidence is gross. That's the only word I can think of. It's gross. His reputation, his legacy is intact. And for him To make those sorts of accusations, again, without evidence, is an act of cowardice. It's an act of cowardice. And it is beneath a player of Nick Saban's stature in not just the college football game, but in sports. It's disappointing. Do better, Nick Saban. 
And finally, it has been a very long time since Rory McIlroy won a major tournament in golf. So when he responded to questions about how excited he was to have a one-shot lead after Thursday's first round at the PGA Championship at Southern Hills, well, ecstatic wasn't the word. No, I'd rather shoot 74 and try to make the cut tomorrow. Of course, that was said tongue-in-cheek. But you can forgive a guy for his sarcasm when you consider that this is just the 12th time in his last 27 majors that McElroy has played that he's broken par in the first round. He hasn't led a major since the last time he won a major back in 2014. Maybe that is a harbinger of things to come for Rory. Thanks for making Locked On Sports today your first listen. Now make your second listen Locked On NBA from the first jump ball of the play-in tournament to the last possession of the finals. Locked On experts take you deep inside the playoffs with insight and analysis affecting all 30 teams. It's free and available wherever you get podcasts. Coming up Monday, will Rory McIlroy win his first major tournament in 27 tries? So at least until tomorrow, stay Locked On Sports today.